praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Would you find a place to sit? However, I'll ask you in a minute to stand right back up. So uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to read verses 13 and 14. But would you stand with me? We're going to read these uh, the scripture, which I think is probably the most significant passage in the book of Galatians. Paul has been talking about various things and here he's about to summarize what freedom is, what not to do with freedom, and then what to do with freedom. So listen to these words, reflect on them. Galatians 5 verse 1, a very famous verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then he says, stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul. So Paul's about to share kind of his personal take on what's going on in the church at Galatia and talk about something specific. He says this, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value at all. Verse three, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law, which is, by the way, he talks about how that's impossible to do. And then verse four, you who are trying to be justified by the law, which is what we're not supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be justified by trying to justify ourselves by the law. But you who are trying to do that have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace, from, from grace. Verse five, for through the spirit, we eagerly await the faith by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. Verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts. Some of you are like, what, what are we talking about here? What's the only thing that counts? Well, Paul's about to spell it out. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then jump down to verse 13. Paul concludes this idea. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word of God. Wait. I say, this is the word of the Lord. And you say, thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. God, you are good. You have given us freedom. Lord, we praise you. We thank you that, that we don't have to, to, to walk by the law and these rules. Lord, you've set us free. And it's for freedom that you've set us free. So we praise you. We love you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people at New Life Manitou, shout! Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I hope to tell you three things today in this sermon. Big surprise, right? Some of you are new to this congregation. I almost always, not always, but I almost always have a three-point sermon. I'm going to talk about freedom. I'm going to define freedom, and we're going to talk about this riddle being it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. We'll talk about that and what that means. And then we'll talk about, Paul says, well, what not to do with this freedom? And then we'll talk about, Paul says, well, here's what to do with this freedom. That's the whole sermon. We're talking about freedom this morning. Probably the most significant passage, maybe in the whole New Testament, 
definitely in the book of Galatians, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's point number one. I'll say it again. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And it's sort of like a riddle. We're going to need to talk about what freedom is, define it. And it's kind of this circular riddle where it's by freedom, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. We'll talk about that. First, a story. I can't help but to think about freedom and think of this movie that came out years and years and years ago in 1995 in the springtime, a movie came out 26 years ago. I was a young man in high school and uh, this film happens to be rated R and I was 16 at the time and I had a youth pastor that was mentoring a whole bunch of guys and his wife was mentoring a whole bunch of girls and I was being mentored by my youth pastor who just called us young men to live differently than the world. And he said, we shouldn't be watching R-rated movies. And we were like, yeah, that, that's great. Uh, good, yeah, okay, no problem. I mean, this is before the internet in homes. This is before the internet on, on your phone. And so it's like for young men, you know, he was just like, there, there's sex scenes in R-rated movies. Let's not watch R-rated movies. And we're like, yeah, okay, we can do that. We're living differently than the world. And then this movie came out that's R-rated. And he's like, yeah, that whole R-rated thing, we're going to put that out the window for now because there's this movie you guys need to see and it's called Braveheart. Yes, you guessed it. Yes. It came out and my youth pastor was like, this movie's awesome. We're going to go see it as a group. And, and so we, we went and we rented a VHS tape. Anybody remember V8? Because 1995 VHS tapes. And it was me, my youth pastor, a whole bunch of the guys he was mentoring. And we did. We fast forwarded it through a couple of the scenes we shouldn't be watching. And we watched this movie and my youth pastor was like, yeah, forget the rated R thing. This movie is is awesome and it's all about freedom. And if you haven't seen the movie, I'm about to spoil it for you. Spoiler alert, but you've had 26 years to see this film. So I don't feel bad at all. But the movie is based on a true story. If you remember, William Wallace from Scotland and England has, is, is uh, ruling Scotland and there's tyranny and taxation and torment and torture from the English of the Scottish. And it's, it happens around 1200, 1300 uh, AD. And William Wallace unites the clans of Scotland to fight for freedom against the English. And the movie, he goes on to that William Wallace is captured. He's brought to the capital, London in England, and he's tortured. And the cross, there's the table that he's tortured on is on the shape of a cross. They show that, which is no, uh, it's, it's, it's on purpose that William Wallace is this Christ-like figure who dies for the freedom of Scotland, just like Christ dies for us to free us from sin and death. And so the whole movie, the, the climax of the movie is William Wallace on this table shaped as a cross and uh, the, the guy, the English guy executing him is wanting William Wallace to confess, to recant, to apologize for, for fighting the English armies and for going against the English and, and William Wallace's uh, motions that he has something to say and so the executioners are stop, the prisoner wishes to say a word. And he's thinking that he's going to say, I'm sorry, that get this thing over with. And instead, say it with me, he yells out the word, freedom! What a movie, right? Freedom. And as a young man, I was just like, yeah, 
freedom, freedom as Americans, freedom from oppression, freedom from another nation ruling and these rules. And I was just like, yes, freedom. And my youth pastor, we talked afterwards about the movie and freedom in Christ and what that means. Man, it was just such a pivotal time for me as a young man watching this movie. And I can't help but to think about freedom without thinking about that movie and and what it means. So let's define freedom for just a moment, shall we? It's a hard word to define because usually when you have a hard word to define, the people just use similes. Oh, freedom is like independence. It's like, um, uh, I, I don't know, people say, well, what it's not. It's not slavery, right? Freedom is not uh, forced servitude. Freedom is not constraint. Freedom is not being in jail. Freedom is, well, what's just freedom? You're free to do what you want to do. You're not under the constraints of someone else. And so Paul here in Galatians chapter five isn't talking about like a one nation overruling another nation. He's talking about freedom in the context of church and this wave of thought that has infiltrated the church as he talks about in chapter one of the book of Galatians, whereby which he is saying that these people have come in and they're saying, you need to obey all these rules to truly live in Christ. And the rules that people are being told to follow are the Old Testament rules, the feasts, the festivals, the Sabbath rules, the laws we find in the Torah. And somehow, quintessentially, the issue is circumcision. And Paul talks a whole bunch about like this being the issue back then in the church. And so he prefaces this and says, I, Paul, I tell you that circumcision is nothing. It's, verse six says this. We'll put it up here. Uh, Galatians chapter five, verse six. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts. I mean, what a great phrase. If you listen up, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And Paul is saying there's these rules and people, there's social rules and there's things that this church, this early church is saying, you have to do it like this, you have to do that. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. It's for freedom you've been set free. Step away from these rules that are actually burdening you and enslaving you and be free in Christ because Christ has set us free. You know what the key is to unlocking this riddle? It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's to realize that Jesus did this out of love and to realize that this is all about grace. While we were still sinners, it says, Christ died for us. And we have this freedom because Christ has freely given it to us. So it kind of makes sense in this riddle. Like it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. He loved us so much, he died and suffered for us that we might be free of the slavery of sin and death and all that entangles us. We are free. Do we say amen as a church still? Amen, right? Amen. Point number two is this. Paul says what to not do with our freedom. So we've been given freedom. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. This is straight out of scripture. It's what Paul says. Paul says, do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. In a minute, we'll say what to do with this freedom that we've been given. But right now, Paul says, you know what not to do with your freedom? You've been given freedom. Don't indulge 
in the flesh. What does that phrase mean? It's kind of an interesting way to put it. It's really good translation directly from the Greek into the English to use this word flesh, but it's not a word we use every day, right? I mean, don't find yourself in the grocery store talking about the flesh, right? Unless maybe you're at like the butcher counter and you're like, but even then it's like, you don't say, give me that piece of, I'll take a half pound of that flesh. <laughs> what? No, you, 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 know, you say you, you want to like, oh, it's the porterhouse. It's the, uh, it's the you, 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 don't, you could even say, I'll take a half pound of that protein, you know, because flesh is kind of a weird word to be using, but it's a good translation. And what it means is the worldly indulging nature of the body of this world. It's the opposite of like the heavenly desires and things that align us with the ways of God. It's a, it's a phrase Paul uses a lot. Don't use your freedom, he says, to indulge in the flesh. Here's another good translation of this whole sentence. There's uh, a paraphrase, take it as, uh, as you want, but Eugene Peterson, the author of the message translation, translates Galatians 5.13 in this way. So he takes the whole kind of idea and puts it into this sentence, and it's helpful for us because we don't use the word flesh. We might say it more like this. It's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. So Paul's saying you have freedom, but if you use that freedom to indulge in something, then you're actually right back where you started becoming a slave to that thing you're indulging in right? It's kind of how it works. Think about, um, I have kids. Kids love candy and ice cream. And it's like all they could think about is, is when am I going to get some more candy? How can I sneak candy? Where can I steal candy from? How can I get more ice cream? How come he got ice cream? How come his scoop is better than my scoop? How come his scoop is bigger than my scoop? I want ice cream. And they will, they will talk about how when they grow up and get married, they're going to eat ice cream three meals a day, every day for weeks and months and years. That's all they're going to eat because they could do whatever they want, right? And you realize like, like, you know how bad that would be for you if someone really ate that much ice cream? Like you would have all kinds of health issues. It would be a horrible way to live. You would be a slave to the ice cream. It's a silly example. I realize that. But think about the road of indulging in things and where that leads. Think about the road to addictions. This is going about to get serious for a second because some of you have testimonies. Some of you have uh, testimonies in your long time past. Some of you, this is pretty recent, of, of struggles with addictions to substances. And think about that road that you are on when someone is addicted to something. I think about uh, someone in this congregation. I don't see Justin here today, but Justin Arnold gave me permission to share his story. Um, he he's usually sits around over here. He's got red hair. Like half of his kids have this bright red hair. He's got a beautiful family, a beautiful wife. And years ago, that was not the case. He was a drug addict. In fact, he wrote a book about it. You can get it. It's, uh, it's called Surviving My Past, The Story of My Life as a Drug Addict. And he wrote it in 2017 about his past as a young man when he was struggling. He was at the low of his low in life as a drug addict. All his energy was to get the drug. He would, he would commit crimes, get the drug, steal the drug. And, and he found himself driving one day intoxicated, which is a horrible place to find yourself, a dangerous place for yourself and other people on the road. And he's driving. He must've been swerving around and up behind him pulls a 
cop car. And when you're arrested, uh, all your freedoms are taken away. Think about going to jail. Handcuffs, bars, you have no decision on what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what time you're going to wake up. All your freedoms are taken away, right? That's what jail is. But he, when he saw the police car pull up behind him and he looks through the mirror uh, uh, at the red and blue flashing lights, do you know what he thought? He thought, this is my opportunity to get free. And he thought that because he's so addicted to this drug. He knows that he needs help. He doesn't have the power on his own to get the help. And he writes, the first chapter is just incredibly written. When you see Justin, I don't know why he's not here today. Uh, I'm honoring him. But you'll, have, you'll tell him. Yeah, tell, text him. He's like, Joe's talking about you. Get online and watch. Uh, and honoring him because he he's, writes beautifully. This chapter of his life, the first chapter of his book, he says, when I saw those lights, I realized that I could now get free from the addiction. So think about this this circular motion of life that we get freedom. We have freedom in Christ, but don't use your freedom to indulge or else you will go right back and lose the very freedom you had. Let's move on to, to, this is point number three now. The Holy Spirit wants to free us for service to others. I'll read that again. The Holy Spirit wants to free us for service to others. This sermon might be, make you kind of mad because I'm not really like, I'm kind of talking around things and we're kind of going circular as we talk, but hopefully it makes a lot of sense. The Holy Spirit frees us. Frees us for what? So we can do whatever we want and indulge? I mean, the world around us says that the highest form of life and the philosophy that rules this world and the world we live in is just to be happy, right? Yeah, we just want to be free so that we can be happy, But we as Christians, we take it to another level and say, actually, true happiness is not found in indulging in the flesh and doing what we want to do. It's actually serving our creator and serving one another in love. That's what we should be using our freedom for. Let me read this verse for you. It's uh, Galatians 5, 13. Let me reread it. You, brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. That's what not to do. We've defined freedom. We've said what not to do with freedom, but rather serve one another humbly in love. Verse 14, for the entire law. So he's talking about the Old Testament law, these rules. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says that. Paul is recapping that. One thing that counts. Listen to this. We use our freedom to serve one another. What our society, what the world around us really, really needs today are examples. Examples of spirit-filled, true, sacrificial love. That we receive freedom. And we could use this freedom to do whatever we want. And what we choose to do is to serve one another in love. To make God our master, and to be his servant. That is where true freedom freedom is actually found, living in life with the creator. Amen? Amen. 
all right, I've been thinking this whole week, should I give this example? Should I not give this example? I thought there's a really relevant issue in our world today, especially when we're talking about freedom. And many of you in here might be thinking right away about this issue. It's political, it's hot button, it's people are arguing on both sides. And so this is just me for a moment sharing about why I chose to do something. Everybody cool with that? You're cool? Okay, sure. Why not? You have no idea what I'm about to say. Some of you might be like, what's he going to talk about this? I, I am going to talk about that. Um, so I'm going to talk about, for a second, vaccines, okay? So right now, there's, there's a bunch of fighting right now going on about freedom versus getting mandating versus freedom. And as, as a Christian, as an American, I'm like, freedom, of course, freedom. For, it's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. But let me go back a couple months ago and tell you why I did get vaccinated. And hopefully, I'm going to use this as an example. Some of you are kind of squirming right now. Oh, this issue, oh, it's right on the news. It's everywhere. But I'm just, all I'm doing is sharing why I got vaccinated months and months ago. Everybody cool with that? So it's just me, just me talking about why. And so I'm using that as an example for the framework of serving others. So months ago, it wasn't being mandated, I don't think anywhere. This is like early, early spring. There's still snow on the ground. Uh, And I was like, "I'm I'm gonna get vaccinated for the reasons of serving other people. So this is just me talking about why I got vaccinated. Once again, I'm prefacing maybe this too much. You're like, just go ahead and say it. So anyways, so I had a couple reasons. I was like, man, if the vaccine does what it's supposed to do, then I won't spread it to someone, the COVID, to someone who's vulnerable. And, and so I'm serving them. That's like, I was like, I could serve them by getting this. That's what I was thinking. I was also thinking uh, people might just feel safer around me. It's just a feeling. It's like, oh, you've been vaccinated. Okay, I feel safer around you. Great. So that was another way to like, I'm going to go ahead and serve these people that are living in fear, like they're vulnerable and they're nervous about getting it. And, and so that, that's why I got it. Uh, to, so that I could go to hospitals. There was an idea, at least in my own mind, months ago that if, if hospitals opened it up for visitors, you would have to be vaccinated. And as a pastor, I wanted to be able to go and visit you all in the hospital and pray with you and serve you and be with you. And so I thought, man, I got to get this out of the way so that if that mandate comes for hospitals, I will be able to go visit you because I wanted to serve. I wasn't being forced to get the vaccine. I, I was, had the freedom to get it or to not get it. And I chose to get it to serve. And finally, I didn't want to get quarantined anymore. I was around, I'm around a lot of people as a pastor and I'm around people who will then text me later and say, Hey, guess what? I know we had lunch yesterday, but I just tested positive for COVID. Sorry, I coughed all over you. I'm like, come on, man. Now I got a quarantine. I can't be there on Sunday. Thanks. And so I got vaccinated. So there's the loophole. If you're vaccinated, you don't have to quarantine and quarantine is long. I forget the rule, but that that's why I got it, to serve. So there are, that's the example. Do you see where I'm coming from? I'm using it. I know it's a hot button issue, but I'm just, I'm trying to set the framework. And some of you may have the same framework and come to a different conclusion. That's okay. We could talk about it afterwards, but I'm just saying why I made the decision out of this framework to serve someone else. Let me give an example that won't be any controversy at all, okay? And I'll close with this example. It has to do with uh, a waitress that I knew years and years ago. Has anybody ever been on a wait staff, waiter, waiter, or waitress or waiter? Lots of hands. Okay, it's, it's a lot harder, right? Raise your hand again if you're waiters uh, that have ever served. It's a lot harder than people think, right? 
It, no, it's not. It's hard work. Bob. <laughs> so it's, it's serving people. You have to be on. You have to go to people's tables. You have to smile. You have to take care of them. The whole time you're getting interrupted by other people. It's like, oh, well, you have a good waiter, please. I haven't had water, a sip of water in like five minutes, please. Come serve me. And people are bugging you. People are angry and hungry. And that means they're hangry have you heard that before and so people are coming in people, people you see like the worst of people if you've served tables before i'm sure you have stories about mean people being mean to you so anyways this is years ago uh, a waitress was had been a waitress her like her entire working career she was a single mom she ended up putting her uh kid through college being a waitress she saved up enough money she had some investments and she was going to retire from being a waitress and she had all these stories about how people were mean to her house she had enough, how much she was looking forward to retiring and not having to serve people anymore and have people bugging her, have people interrupting her and all the things that go with the hard job of being on your feet all day and being a waitress. She was so excited to, to retire. And so she retires and she spends a couple months visiting family, doing what she wants to do. And then once you know it, she ends up volunteering somewhere. She volunteers at a soup kitchen. Guess what? she's doing i'm like are you crazy like you just told me how hard it was and how you wanted to be free from this serving people and just them telling you what to do and mean people ordering you around and you've gone on and on about how you're done with that and you're retiring and now you have the freedom to do anything in the world and what does she end up doing she ends up volunteering as a waitress at a like homeless soup kitchen serving people and we were just like what why would you do that? She said, well, it's totally different now. Now that I have the freedom to do whatever I want, I actually realized that I really love serving people. And I'm using my freedom literally to serve people at tables, people that can't afford to go out to eat. And I was just like, wow, what an image of this passage. What an image of Paul saying, use your freedom to serve others. That's where real life is. That's where real happiness, real fulfillment is. That's what real freedom actually looks like. It looks like serving others. It looks like serving the master, the creator, the Lord of all. That's what freedom really looks like. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to pray. In the band, you can come up. They're going to lead us in a song singing about the goodness of God. And so, Lord, right now, we, we need your strength. We need you, Jesus. It's, it's by your work, it's by your faith in us, this grace inside of us, that we get to have freedom. And you tell us it's, it's for freedom's sake that you have set us free. This mystery, that, that this riddle of, of how it is that we are free and we are free to live a life serving you. We like put our service back to you and you set us free. And again and again, you give us strength to live each day serving and loving one another. So Lord, we, we pray for this strength. We worship you right now. We go to the table now, ready to receive from you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.